The Boston Bruins are on another winning streak. The New York Islanders fire their coach and bring in a legend. And the Arizona Coyotes continue to surprise. We've got all that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash on to get started. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Boston Bruins, Ian McLaren and Ian, the Bruins getting hot once again. Nine goals in their latest win, a four-game winning streak. What's been clicking again for the Boston Bruins? I mean, yeah, all credit to to head coach Jim Montgomery. I think, uh, you know, as the reigning Jack Adams winner, his performance as Boston Bruins head coach this season has been even more impressive than last year. I think he even admitted that, you know, uh, it was a fairly uh, nice role to come into with such a loaded roster last year. A lot more challenges this year, but uh, he's been pushing the right buttons uh, so far for sure. And the Bruins, you know, they had a, a bit of a four-game slide heading into Christmas. Since then, they've only lost one game in regulation. and um, a lot of guys have been chipping in. They've had a bunch of injuries recently with uh, Brandon Carlo having been out. Derek Forbort was out for a while. Rookie Matt Potra was out. And guys just uh, have been stepping up. Um, Don Sweeney, back in the summer, you know, he signed James Van Riemsdyk to a one-year, $1 million contract. He's fifth on the team in total points at the moment. Uh, Danton Heinen, who was signed to a PTO and wasn't even under contract for, you know, the first several weeks of the season, he had a hat trick in the game against Montreal. So they're getting contributions up and down the lineup and, uh, Charlie Coyle as well. He has been fantastic as their new kind of de facto, um, one, two center, depending on which line you, you put him on with, uh, Pavel Zaka as the other guy he's on pace for a career season and uh, on pace to have more points than Patrice Bergeron did last year, uh, filling in that role. So they're just getting contributions up and down the lineup. And uh, yeah, they're (laughs) one of the surprise teams of of the season so far uh, in my mind. Wanted to talk about Coyle. I was going to ask you about him. I mean, he just always seems to have been an unsung kind of a hero, no matter where he played. If you didn't follow the team he was playing for, you were like, Charlie who? But if you watched him game in and game out, even when he wasn't near the top of the scoring list, he was contributing every day. What has he meant to the Bruins? I mean, he's, his uh, his presence has been huge. I mean, he, he was a pretty highly touted guy coming up. He was so well thought of that, uh, you know, he was traded for Brent Burns uh, back in the day. And he has... Uh, 
really settled in as a core member of the team over the past few years that you know they traded for him back before the 2019 run uh he's a local guy he's yeah very unheralded not really known as an offensive guy but in that role this season he stepped up uh plays a solid game well respected in the room uh loved by Bruins fans uh and yeah a really kind of quiet presence uh on the ice and off the ice but just really seems to get the job done and and clearly he uh he meshes well with head coach Jim Montgomery he's he's taken on these new responsibilities and, and again the Bruins really haven't missed a beat after losing Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci that was the huge question could Charlie Coyle and Pavel Zaka uh lock things down down the middle for this team and they certainly have so far and it's uh it's been great to watch for sure got to ask you about Pasta, I mean, he's on at least a 50-goal pace as of mm-hmm. right now. What has he been able to do sort of to be the man on this team offensively this year? Yeah, I mean, this was a big topic on uh, Locked On Bruins last week. Uh, the Locked On NHL hosts did a, a vote for Hart Trophy candidates, and David Pasternak was outside the top 10, which to me was just inconceivable. Uh, he's one of the top three scorers. He's on pace to uh, eclipse the career high he set last year. Uh, And that's without Bergeron and Krejci in the lineup, centers that he has played with his entire career. And his goal pace is a bit lower than last year, but his assist rate is up as well, which tells us that uh, he's helping facilitate the offense, uh, which you might not have thought back in the day when he first came up that he would be kind of this complete player. Uh, For me, he's at least a top five MVP candidate. Uh, He's one of the elite players in the NHL, and he is uh, more than living up to that contract extension that he signed last year. And uh, really, uh, he's on pace right now. He just entered top 10 in Boston Bruins scoring already. He's on pace to finish at least top three. um, and just becoming one of one of the great Bruins of this generation for sure. Trade deadline is now about six weeks away, give or take. What do the Bruins need? What do you think they'll be looking for and who's available? I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for the Bruins to be active this year. They have in the past couple of years, really, you know, traded first round picks. They don't have their 2024 first round pick because that will go to Detroit uh, after a trade last year uh, for Tyler Bertuzzi. Uh, They don't have a second round pick either. So there's very limited picks to work with. And I don't think they're going to be wanting to deal guys like, uh, you know, Fabian Lysel, Mason Lori, Matt Patra, their top prospects. So I don't really know if they're going to be able to do much. Uh, Don Sweeney always seems to be able to find a way. Uh, perhaps you'll be willing to uh, give up some youth in order to add. They probably do need another top six uh, forward. Uh, another scoring winger would be nice. Uh, they're pretty deep on defense, but of course you can never have too many. We all know injuries pop up, uh, but probably their number one need would be another scoring winger. They could swing big and look at Elias Lindholm in, in Calgary. That's always been a, a point of conversation. One guy that I talked about on the podcast last week as 
someone who may be available that not a lot of people are talking about is uh, the reigning Conn Smythe winner in uh, Jonathan Marcia. So uh, the um, Vegas Golden Knights banged up right now. They're kind of looking like not really going to be able to defend. Jack Eichel's out for a while. So that unrestricted free agent pending uh, would be a, a fantastic addition, I think, to uh, the Boston Bruins top six. Uh, probably going to be difficult to swing that, but I, I'd love to see a guy like that bring that experience over and uh, and help this team come playoff time. You mentioned that management may be reluctant to deal some of the top prospects, don't have a lot of picks. Anyone on the current roster who may be available to try to add somebody at the trade deadline? I mean, they're probably not going to flip the the veterans that they have that are impending uh, free agents and Kevin Shattenkirk and uh, James Van Riemsdyk. Jake DeBrusque hopefully will be re-signed at some point. Um, probably you're looking at either Matt Grizzlick on the blue line or Derek Forbort. Uh, Parker Witherspoon and Mason Lorai have stepped up recently. And uh, those are guys, veteran guys, who I think could be moved, but that's easier said than done. I, I know Don Sweeney's been looking to subtract from the blue line to create some cap space. Um, those are the top two candidates, but whether or not there's any buyers remains to be seen. All right, Ian, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, the podcast Locked On Boston Bruins anywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Uh, locked NHL Bruins on uh, social media, and people can find me at Ian C. McLaren. Ian, thanks so much. Always great talking hockey with you. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. So, Gil, uh, we, of course, host the Friday show together uh, for the Locked on NHL prod podcast. And we were talking that we never really talk about the Islanders on this show because you are the host. And I was like, if there's ever any big news you want to talk about, let's switch roles and do it. And uh, I'm sorry to say you have big news in this way, but it uh, <laughs> seems like it had to happen. What was the final straw for Lane Lambert? Uh, I, 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 well, okay. The final straw was losing to the Chicago Blackhawks uh, right. in a game that they had to win that they, you know, Chicago not only is in a full rebuild, but like six of their top eight forwards are injured right now and unavailable. But I think in, in the bigger picture, the last straw was this team just kept making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And no matter what Lane Lambert said to the media or to the team or what changes he tried to implement in practice, 
nothing seemed to improve. And I, I guess if Lane Lambert wasn't the cause of the problem, he didn't have the solution either. Right. I think that's a key point there that you can know what's going wrong. And, you know, we've seen this around the league where a coach just can't be that guy to turn things around in the locker room, no matter how hard they're trying. And even if they know what is going wrong there. Yeah. And for the Islanders, more than anything, it was defensive structure. Uh, I, I think, and that's ironic because under Barry Trotz, they were one of the right. most defensively oriented team that was trying to win two to one and stifle your chances. And, you know, that's why Bissonette was saying they were so boring and all of that stuff. But ultimately, the failure to get the puck out of your own zone and transition to, to from defense to offense and the the failure to prevent other teams from entering the Islanders zone with momentum and with speed that ended up being Lane Lambert's undoing. Yeah. It's really interesting because I was going to ask directly about Barry Trotz and, you know, that system that he had set up and we've seen in this season, Lane Lambert opened the team up a little bit uh, to allow for more offense and they were scoring a ton more goals. Uh, they just were allowing more goals because they let that defensive structure lapse a little bit. Right. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, say what you want about the Barry Trot style, it played to the team's strengths. Right. And it was the best way for them to try to win. So last year, the Islanders were 22nd in the league in goals scored, but fifth in the league in goals against. This year, he opened things up, uh, Lane Lambert did. They're 22nd in goals for still, but they're 23rd in the league in goals against, and that's just not sustainable. They have a negative goal differential. They're losing more games than they're winning. If you add, you know, the overtime and shootout losses to losses, they've won 19. They've lost 26. That's not a long-term formula for success. No. I uh, want to turn to Patrick Roy and his uh, new tenure with the New York Islanders. Of course, he uh, is a an NHL legend, but also coached the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, I'm just curious, it, it, that team, the Avalanche versus what the New York Islanders are, are so different. Like, why do you think he was the one hired? And do you think it's a good fit? Well, whether it's a good fit remains to be seen. Look, you, when you when you fire a coach, you're always trying to get somebody who is a little bit the opposite of the guy you just let go. Otherwise, why make the change if you're just going to bring in a guy who is similar in personality and strategy? But I think the biggest thing about Wah that made Lou Lamorello look his way, you know, he won the Memorial Cup last year and he did it with structure. That was the, right. the, the big thing that he did. He gave a junior team better structure than maybe any other junior team had. And as a result, the team goes all the way. I, I, I think that had a lot to do with it, that if you're trying to get this team back to defensive structure, Patrick Waugh is a, is a good choice to do that. He also was the general manager uh, of that team in juniors. And maybe, just maybe, this is uh, Lou Lamorello saying, maybe this is the guy who, when I retire steps in. I mean, he signed a multi-year deal. This is not an interim coach. So 
barring another catastrophe, it looks like the plan is to keep Patrick Waugh in the organization for the foreseeable future. Given the term in the deal and how quickly the hire happened, do you think this has been in the works for a while now? I do. I, I, I think that, you know, the Islanders had a seven game winless streak earlier in the season. And I think a lot of people were surprised that Lane Lambert wasn't let go then. But I think at that point, it was a very short leash and going 0-3 and 1 on this four game road trip just sort of, you know, sealed the deal there. Yeah. Do do you see him making any wholesale changes to the lineup or how he he does things up front? Well, that that remains to be seen and it'll be interesting. One thing though that to me is possible, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh Patrick Waugh, who knows some of the younger prospects and players in the organization from his time coaching and being a GM in juniors. Maybe we see a William Dufour called up. Maybe we see a Ruslan Ishkakov called up. I mean, the Islanders prospect pool is pretty barren, but those are two guys who would be possibilities. And I think we do see some line combination changes and definitely that defensive structure that we talked about before. Yeah, in the more medium, longer term here, because he is so uh, well-known more recently for coaching in juniors, do you think he's going to push Lou Lamarillo to uh, acquire more assets and uh, make more draft picks so he has young prospects to develop? I hope so. <laughs> it's something this team has needed to do for quite some time. The fan base has been rightfully frustrated by trading away four first round draft picks in a row. And, you know, to me, it never made sense. If you're going to trade four first round picks in a row, and it, they weren't all bad deals. I mean, you got Bo Horvat, you got Alexander Romanov, you got uh, Kyle Palmieri. So they weren't necessarily bad deals. But if you're going to trade away four straight first round picks, you can't do it to chase eighth place in the conference. You've got to do that because you're one or two players away and you're trying to add that final piece. So I think this team, and I've been saying it on Locked On Islanders for a long time, they need to get younger, they need to add speed, and they need to add skill. And hopefully, Lou Lamorello and Patrick Waugh can work together to get some of that accomplished. Yeah, I would think so. Given the circumstances of how he left Colorado, he certainly wants to get more involved in these sorts of decisions and moves. Uh, one other thing that Patrick Waugh is known for is an aggressive early goalie pull. Uh, do you see that happening? Wouldn't surprise me in the least. Uh, I, I guess I'll put it this way. It's not dull. It may be a little crazy <laughs> sounding, but it's never dull. And, uh, you know, if, if the Islanders are down two or three goals with eight minutes left, would it, would I be shocked to see Ilya Sorokin or Semyon Varlamov once he's healthy pulled in a desperation move? No. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I mean, that does force your team to play better defensively in a lot of ways because uh, you know there's nobody back there to stop the puck. So it, it couldn't hurt, right? I mean. Yeah, well, Patrick was known for being a little aggressive across the board. We'll see if that continues to be the case for the New York Islanders as their new head coach. Uh, Gil, where can people find you and the show? Well, you can find the show wherever you get podcasts on YouTube and and. 
you know, all the regular audio podcast places. You could find uh, the show on X at Locked On Isles, and you could find me on X at Ice Wars, NYRVSNYI. Thank you so much for indulging this switcheroo, and uh, I'll hand the reins back over to you now. Thanks, Rachel. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapped up. It's playoff time, and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use. There's just so many different ways to bet. You can do live, same-game parlays. You can... Find bets in the new Explore tab, or you can check out the Parlay Hub. That's the best way to find the most popular parlays, and there is so much more. And it's not just the NFL. You have pro and college basketball, and yeah, you could use your knowledge of hockey on FanDuel. Check out the latest odds for your favorite team. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Coyotes, Robin Leano. And Robin, what is it with the Coyotes? They continue to find ways to win. Not a lot of people expected them to be above 500 this year, and we're we're approaching the All-Star break, and they still are. What's been the reasons for this team's success this year? You know, I think a lot of it has to deal with uh, the uh, the talent that Bill Armstrong put together over the offseason. Um, it kind of goes with talent that he already knew that these are players that want to be in Arizona. They want to put on a good show. Um, and it just seems from the get go, they've had good chemistry together, whether it's, you know, uh, the, uh, like Nick Bukestag with Lawson Krause or Logan Cooley of Jason Zucker or, uh, or Alex Kerfoot with, with, uh, Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz, like this, for some reason, the chemistry works for every, everything, and all of them are like every player is putting in an in, in equal amount of effort, and uh, it really shows how uh, how important each player has been to the team. Talk to me about Logan Cooley. Obviously, high expectations. We're halfway through the season, a little more. Four goals, twenty one points so far. Discuss his progress. Yeah, I think he had a little bit of a disappointing beginning to the season. Uh, he uh, kind of looked a little bit slow. He was hesitant on taking shots. Uh, he kind of just just kind of looked a little bit hesitant out there. His skating was great, but at, you know, the beginning of the season, I felt like he had a really good presence. But I think one of the things a lot of us were looking at is they put him alongside uh, Clayton Keller on the first power play unit, and I felt like he kind of. It is, it, it, I, I can't speak exactly what he's thinking, but it seemed like he kind of was hesitating in the sense that he wanted the Keller to take everything because he's the point guy in the entire in the entire team, essentially. Um, they moved him down, I think about a month ago, from the first power play unit to the second power play unit, and everything changed. He seemed like his confidence is there. He's taking shots. He's actually, you know, getting those more even a lot more high danger shots out there too he's really like getting a lot more confident out there on the ice got to talk about Connor Ingram and what he's meant to this team how important has he been 
Oh, he's been fantastic. You know, he he was sure like sure like any goalie, he'll take a couple bad couple couple bad games. Bad games. I think this month hasn't been his best, but I, overall, like he has been an integral part to the team that's gone on runs. That, for example, I want to say like back you know either last month or two months ago. Now we're going you know on a six game winning streak against some of the best in the league, and he's the you know the man behind it. He's Gets, I, I think he's pretty on the t- toward the top in shutouts too in the league right now. Like, he's really impressed, and I feel like a lot of it has to do with maybe look, you know, being. And I think this is the case. I can say for a lot of Coyotes, Coyotes players is they were what the term I'm looking for here. It's um, they were undervalued at first. They were overlooked by many by their former teams. Um, and even then, like, even when he first came to the Coyotes, we kind of overlooked him a little bit because he was the, he he was the guy that, uh, that they just beat the hell in the last game of the previous season. Um, and he's just getting a lot more comfortable out there. He seems like he seems that he's just finding his place and, uh, um, is trusting his defense as well. Got to talk about the elephant in the room. Anytime we talk Coyotes, the arena situation always comes up. What is the latest that you've heard about the quest for a permanent new home? Yeah, so the last we heard was about a little over a month ago. We heard that the Coyotes were zeroing on zeroing in on a spot of land in Northeast Phoenix. Uh, this this spot particularly is uh, right next to the uh, the the Mayo Clinic the, and the uh, what's known what's known as the Desert Ridge Marketplace. Uh, it's a wide open piece of land up there. There's not a whole lot. It's next to the Scottsdale border. Um, it's a little further out north, so those in the southeast, like here, me and Mesa and like Ann Gilbert, those people are going to be a little bit out of the way. Um, but that's where all the wealth is up there. Uh, that's why I, I think that we're hearing about their zeroing in on that land. A couple things is I'm thinking that they need to get it done within the next couple of weeks. They said that the trade deadline was like their the trade deadline. The All Star break actually was their soft deadline to at least get most of the things going in, uh, you know, finalized. Um, But because we haven't heard much since, it's kind of hard to gauge where they're at. Um, I will say that it's getting it's getting close. The only thing that concerns me is it is the land that they're looking at is state trust land right now. It's public state trust land which means that in order for it to be purchased, in order for Alex Morello to purchase that land, it has to go up to a public auction first. So they, so it goes to a public auction, Alex Morello has to buy the land, and then they kind of do you know, the rest of the process. It's not a done deal, and it's sure going to keep a lot of us on our toes, but it's just, you know, they're almost there. I feel like it's, 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 we're, we're, we're rounding the corner here. All right. Well, I know you'll be on top of it all season long. Trade deadline's coming up. Uh, It's about six weeks away, give or take. What do you expect just overall philosophically for the Coyotes to try to do come trade deadline time? Yeah, I feel like the the, the Coyotes are in an interesting situation and where they are now a bubble team. I feel like what what Bill Armstrong is going to take a look at is maybe not necessarily look at you know, trying to go, he definitely won't go, you know, on the all in and try to make the playoffs. But I feel like he's just trying to do some fine tweaking, a little bit of fine tweaking, adding some players they feel like they need. There are some players out there who have been, you know, just a couple of players who 
have come up on the board um, that might be considered trading for. Um, but I feel like at this point, it's based off of what, whatever Bill Armstrong says they need at the time. And just find tweak to see if they can make a push for the playoffs. But that's not the ultimate goal in this one. It's just, you know, kind of prove that you belong and prove that uh, you're going to be that when you're playing these, this Coyotes team, that uh, the, you're going to have to work for a win. Any players you feel they might be looking to move on from at the trade deadline? Ooh, at this point, it's tough. I think the one thing that we've talked about on Locked On Coyotes is, uh, and it was, it's been a long time since we mentioned this player's name in terms of trade talks, but Karel Melka, the current backup goaltender, uh, I feel like, that's pro- like we're getting maybe close to you know his departure from the team is um via trade it seems like you know they're trying to get as much reps for him to up his value as much as possible um because you know at this point as we mentioned with Connor Ingham earlier i feel like he's getting his confidence and there's and they're actually feeling more comfortable with having him as the as a de facto starter and you know do you don't need someone like Bimelka as like a 1b we need Get someone who can maybe be another backup. We'll figure we, but who knows? I think we at this point, Bill Armstrong has surprised me. He does a lot of different interesting. Well, should be an interesting second half in Arizona for a lot of reasons. Robin, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you and your co-host on social media? Yeah, you can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcast: uh, Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, you know, also ad free on uh, Amazon music to those Amazon Prime subscribers. Um, you can find us on social media right on X at L O underscore coyotes. I'm personally at Robin with a Y underscore L E A N O. And my co-host Matthew Jacobson is at the easy sports guy. All right, Robin. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks Gil. All right. I want to thank Everybody for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every dayers, we are bringing you the biggest stories from around the league every Monday through Friday. I am Gil Martin. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank Ian McLaren of Locked On Bruins. I want to thank Rachel Donner for uh, filling in as my co-host today. She's my usual Friday co-host. And of course, I want to thank Robin Leano of Locked On Arizona Coyotes for talking about the latest news out in the desert. Uh, Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And thanks again for listening to and watching the Locked On NHL podcast.